Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast, a show where we take a balanced look at the evidence surrounding common dietary dilemmas so that you can make informed choices about your own diet. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and today's topic was suggested by Sophie, who wrote, What about the hormones in milk? My toddlers drink milk every day, but my friend said that hormones in milk promote growth in height and potentially of tumors also. Plus, they are hormonally active, bringing kids into puberty earlier. Is this true? Is organic any different? What are the alternatives? Well, Sophie, it is true that cow's milk, as well as milk from other mammals like sheep or goats or even humans, contains various naturally occurring hormones. And in the case of cow's milk, that includes one called bovine somatotropin. Dairy cows are sometimes also given a synthetic version of this hormone, RBST, to boost their milk production. Organic dairy operations do not use RBST, but because all cows produce bovine somatotropin naturally, organic milk also contains this hormone. In fact, hormone levels are not significantly higher in milk from RBST-treated cows than from non-treated cows. And what's more, this hormone is not biologically active in humans. So even if it were absorbed from drinking milk, it wouldn't be expected to have any effect on human health. Another concern has to do with the presence of a different hormone in milk, one called IGF-1 that stands for insulin-like growth factor 1. Our bodies produce IGF-1, especially when we're kids, because it's critical to proper growth. Then when we reach adulthood and we stop growing, well, we stop growing taller anyway, levels of IGF-1 tend to decline, but not to zero. This hormone continues to play an important role throughout our life, helping to preserve bone and muscle tissue, for example. Now, growth, of course, is a double-edged sword. We want to promote the growth of bones and muscles, but we certainly don't want to promote the growth of cancer cells or tumors. There is some epidemiological evidence that shows an association between higher IGF levels in the blood and higher cancer risks in adults, but subsequent studies have failed to confirm these reports or have found weaker relationships. Even so, though, it is only a correlation. But with that in mind, let's consider how drinking milk might affect your IGF levels. Some studies show that adults who drink a lot of milk have slightly higher levels of IGF-1 in their blood than people who drink no milk at all. However, we see the same effect in people who drink soy milk. In fact, the amount of protein that you take in, whether from dairy, soy, or other sources, has a more direct effect on your IGF levels than dairy intake. And as I mentioned before, the link between those higher IGF levels and your cancer risk is murky at best. Some studies have found that breast cancer risk is actually lower in moderate milk consumers than in those who drink no milk. Frankly, in terms of cancer risk factors, milk consumption ranks pretty low on the list, far behind things like excessive body weight or alcohol consumption. But getting back to Sophie's toddlers, could drinking milk be related to early puberty? Kids do seem to be going through puberty earlier and earlier, and that has a lot of people concerned. One suspected culprit in early puberty is environmental contaminants, such as these forever chemicals that we've been hearing so much about lately. Unfortunately, 
there's not a whole lot we can do as individuals to avoid exposure to these chemicals. Of those factors that we actually can exercise some control over, the two that appear to have the biggest effect on the risk of early puberty in boys anyway, are being overweight or obese, which increases the risk, and physical activity, which decreases the risks of early puberty in boys. For girls, there have been some observational studies, mainly from Western countries, suggesting that breastfeeding was linked to a slightly later onset of menstruation, whereas higher milk consumption was linked with earlier onset. But these studies didn't always control adequately for variables such as different socioeconomic conditions. Other better controlled studies have found that neither breastfeeding nor childhood milk consumption was associated with the age that kids entered puberty. In terms of growth and development, drinking milk does not appear to pose any substantial risk to kids. In fact, as a source of quality protein and calcium, it appears to play a positive role, especially in bone growth. That said, there are plenty of ways to get protein, calcium, and vitamin D without consuming dairy products. For those who prefer to avoid cow's milk for whatever reason, you can buy non-dairy alternatives made from soy, rice, almond, oat, coconut, peas, or hemp, and each of these has its advantages. Soy and pea milk are the highest in protein, providing between 8 and 11 grams of protein per cup, and that's comparable to cow's milk. Legumes such as soybeans and yellow peas are also a relatively complete source of protein, although not quite as complete as dairy. Hemp, flax, and walnut milk are all good sources of omega-3 fats, and that's a nutrient that's often lacking in the Western diet. If your diet does not include any fish, that could be a way to fill some of that gap. If you're counting calories, almond milk tends to be quite a bit lower in calories and sugar than most of the other non-dairy milks. It's also fairly low in protein. But don't expect the same benefits that you'd get from eating almonds, because virtually all of the fiber and the heart-healthy monounsaturated fats that make almonds so healthy have been removed. Rice milk is the one that you're least likely to be allergic to. However, it's also the lowest in protein, and it tends to be higher in sugar and calories. Oat milk is another newer entry into the non-dairy field. People tend to like its creamy texture, especially in coffee, and it's also a more sustainable option than nut or rice-based milk. Another plus is a small amount of fiber. We're only talking one or two grams per serving, but oat fiber does have some unique benefits in terms of lowering blood cholesterol and blood sugar levels. Plain, unsweetened coconut milk is very low in calories and carbohydrates, with only about half as many calories as skim milk. However, coconut milk contains no protein, and it's often described as being kind of watery and tasteless. Now, I want to point out that no non-dairy milk is appropriate for use as a baby formula. But once kids are eating table foods, any of the non-dairy options would be fine. Obviously, you'll want to avoid any ingredients that your child is allergic to, such as soy or nuts. But a soy or pea-based beverage is going to provide the most protein for those growing bodies. And a brand that's fortified with calcium and vitamin D is going to help build strong bones. So to recap, there's no concrete evidence that milk hormones pose a threat to kids, and dairy does have its nutritional advantages, 
but it's not irreplaceable and there are many available alternatives. I know it can be a little frustrating that nutritional dilemmas like this so often don't have a clear-cut, definitive answer. So often, the research is inconclusive or even contradictory. And there are so many factors that we have to weigh and consider, including things like convenience, cost, and preference. At the end of the day, there's really no diet that is going to guarantee optimal health, because our health is impacted by so many things besides diet. But I hope that an objective look at what is and isn't known and the relative impact of the different factors that you're considering helps you feel more confident about the food choices that you make for yourself and also for your family. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, you can email me at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com. You can also leave me a voicemail at 443-961-6206. I also wanted to mention one more time a special program that I'm offering with registered dietitian and self-compassion expert Cassie Christopher this October. It focuses on body image repair and resilience. And Cassie and I are so excited about this collaboration and this work. If you'd like to hear more about what led us to this topic, you can check out our recent conversation on the Change Academy podcast. And there's also more information about the program itself at wayless.life slash body. Nutrition Diva is a quick and dirty tips podcast, and I'm supported by a fantastic team, which includes our director of podcasts, Adam Cecil, my audio engineer, Nathan Sems, Davina Tomlin, who runs our marketing and publicity, Holly Hutchins, our digital operations specialist, Morgan Christensen, our podcast operations and advertising specialist. Thanks to all of them. And thanks to you for listening. <music>